Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvin, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. Anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We always appreciate hearing folks everywhere, around town, around the country, around, around the world, wherever they may be. Well, that's it. <laughs> of course, we got a big old windy morning here this morning. Ooh, I'm uh, telling you. kind of sidestepped the bullet on that hurricane. We but, did. Uh, went mostly through Lake Charles and stuff again, unfortunately. We still got a good bit of wind. We got and some, rain yeah, a, lot, a lot of branches down and a lot of rain, but no real damage. No. Haven't been back to New Orleans. I left last night when it was right. coming and hadn't been back yet, but I'm sure it probably even got less there because that's probably 50 miles east, east of us, so sure. away from the source. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, a lot of power down. I know driving in, a lot of the red lights or the Our own traffic caution. lights or yeah. caution blinking. If they're working at all. If, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of stuff got blown around. Like every week, we try to have some type of a topic just sort of the guideline of stuff to talk about of course sure. you're never limited to that anything you might have on your mind give us a call they try to help you out automotive related even not automotive related. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got a comment, right. comment or a question you give us a call yeah surprising i do get quite a bit of email sure. on topics that you know they're not directly automotive related but they are kind of okay. automotive sort of things and we never mind that not i had a guy sent me an email the other day and he said his son was considering becoming an auto technician, okay. and he was a little bit worried about it because of some of the stigma from the past about auto tests. Well, that's all really, really changed quite a bit. It's actually a pretty highly trained field now, and there's good money to be made. But, you know, you like, gotta be like in anything the right else, place. you got to be in the right business. And unfortunately, a lot of guys start out and they get into a bad employment situation sure. which that exists in everything i'm sure and it kind of burns them out you know they get in there they work real hard they don't make a whole lot of money they're doing things they don't like doing right and, so uh, they start looking for a different career yeah and... they, they move on but the guys who are fortunate enough to get into a good organization who is going to develop them and kind of challenge their talents a little bit it's a good career sure uh, one thing about the automotive business that I've always learned is that when times are good, when the economy is really good, the automotive business is good. Mm-hmm. But when times are bad, it's even better. That's it. Because that's, <laughs> that's it. Exactly. Because most, most people aren't spending you know that money on a new car. Right. They're trying to keep that old one going for it's, a little while longer. Uh, I don't want to use the word depression proof, but it's depression resistant, highly depression resistant. Sure. And what happens is that, let's say a gentleman's got a pickup that he needs to get to work. And it's got a problem, like maybe the transmission has gone out in it. So he's looking at a fairly sizable repair. But he's got, or he can get his hands on $3,000 to put a transmission in his truck. Sure. But he either doesn't have or doesn't want to spend fifty dollars to $60,000 for another truck. Sure. And particularly as people start to get closer to retirement age, I know we've got customer, but he's also mm-hmm. a good friend of mine who has an air conditioning repair type business. Right. And so he's got a truck with a service bed and he's using a three quarter ton truck, which is probably what? 60 grand at least a a new three quarter ton uh, pickup truck. And then with the service bed and all the fittings out and the painting and the labeling and all that, he's probably got another 60 grand tied up in it. Well, he's getting closer to retirement age, right? The engine went out in his truck. So he came in, and we were just talking about it. He says, you know, 
I've got another two or three years to work. I really don't want to go spend one hundred twenty thousand dollars for another rig. Oh, exactly. So I mean, you can take and spend eight ten grand on this one. Well, he elected to go ahead and put a motor in it, and while he had the motor out, he said, "You know, while that's out, that transmission has the same number of miles on right. it. Right, it was over two hundred thousand. Right, and like I told him, I said, "Well." It's out anyway. Right. If you want to put another transmission while it's out, there's no extra cost other than the price of the unit. He says, what else? I said, well, I would probably change the engine mounts. I would probably change the radiator. Sure. He says, well, how about the alternator? I said, well, no. The alternator starter on a Chevy pickup are so easy to get to. They're working fine. I wouldn't worry about that because they can be changed later just as easily. Sure. Those motor mounts, when yeah, the motor's they, out, that's the prime, op- yeah, prime time. No extra charge while they're out and probably six hours labor on that particular With the truck engine in it. to come back. So, you know, we, he ended up spending probably nice. close to ten, eleven thousand yeah. dollars for everything he did, but he stopped by the other day. He said, you know, best money I ever spent. Sure. He says, you know, I could spend $120,000 for a whole new rig, or I could spend $11,000 for this one here. It's going to get me another three or four years with no trouble at all. And that's all he needs out of it. That's all I need anyway. So the types of decisions that you make, when times are really good, things are booming, probably real busy, you don't have time for the truck to be down for three or four days like his had to be. Right. So you're more likely to just go ahead and say, well, I'll just buy another truck. So it's funny, you know, like I said, I, we kind of drifted off the point there, but you know, when the automotive business, when, when times are really good, it's good. But when times are really tough, that's when it gets even better. Yep. I remember back when I started this company in 1974, I think Jimmy Carter was president and interest rates were 16 and a half percent. And it was a pretty rough time. <laughs> oh yeah. A lot of people either weren't alive then or they'd forgotten about it, but uh, it was a pretty rough time. But you know, we actually did very well. Uh, made made it through those conditions. Yeah, I made it through. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, with times right now, of course, with the COVID and all that, it's it's you know it was really booming going into that, and then that now just more or less shut the whole world down. Right. So who knows what's going to happen going forward? Well, all we can do is sit back and wait yeah. and just ride the ride and see what happens. That's but it. We never had to lay anybody off. Everybody was able to, to continue right. to work. So we we're very fortunate from that respect. So many people got a good friend of mine in New Orleans and does software for hotels and stuff software reservation system sure. he's a, a man when we have a problem with it he logs into the system and fix it well he got laid off i mean all the hotels across the country and, and across the world are not necessarily not, closed but they're not knocking they're it not, dead. Right. They, they weigh down and so they just don't need support right now you hope, <laughs> hopefully make it call back but and that's how it that kind of trickles down from one to another you well know? that's right you know he gets laid off so now he's not buying new clothes so the clothing store maybe right. i place my off well that guy's not buying shrimp po boys he's eating at home now so the <laughs> right not eating out the shrimp anymore boy guy gets laid off and yeah it kind of trickles down it can definitely trickle on down hopefully all this will turn around here soon i hope so uh, now it'd be they, nice yeah they've got the the disease I, I guess curtailed a little bit so they say so they say who knows <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see where it all goes yep you know one email that i get quite a bit probably I wouldn't say more than anything else, but right up there with anything else because it's a kind of a problematic part, and that's starters okay. on vehicles. Sure. And a starter is one of those parts that probably is not going to last the life of the car unless you get rid of it fairly soon. Uh-huh. I mean, it'll probably last 100,000 miles. And some are going to go a lot more, right. some, some maybe slightly less. less, but as an average, they, they generally 100, 120,000 the starter because it's constantly cranking the car and a lot of that depends if a person is kind of careful with the car one of the things that kills starters is driving through high water 
because most of the starters are on the bottom of the block. Most are attached somewhere low on the engine. And when you're driving through high water, way before it gets into the air intake, that starter is probably getting water in it. Another thing that kills starters are oil leaks. You have an oil leak like a valve cover, and you just let it go. You decide you're not going to fix it. That oil runs down. When it gets into that starter, it's going to knock it out. And like you said, they're generally mounted somewhere lower on the motor. So starters normally don't just last the life of the car. However, it's also one of the more misdiagnosed components on a car. It is because it provides the cranking for the engine. Right. And there's so many things that can actually stop that starter from cranking the engine over. Correct. And particularly with the modern cars with the push-button starts and all that, it's all basically electrically, electronically Computer. controlled. When you're pushing the button, you're not you're just... Yeah, you're not yeah. pushing a switch that's cranking that starter. No, you're, you're sending a request to start, and the BCM, through all the different sensors on the car, is going to determine if the car should start. And if it does, then it's going to allow a signal to go to a relay, which is going to fire that starter. For and, so long. Yeah, the solenoid. It's going to crank so long when it sees the crank sensor spinning faster than the starter, it knows the engine started, so it's going to cut it off. Sure. But with... That system comes a lot of things. The benefits are they can do stuff like remote start real easy. Mm-hmm. They can keep the car from starting when it shouldn't start. Uh, security issues. Security issues. They can shut that starter off if they think the car is being stolen. So there's a lot of benefits to doing it that way. But there's also a big disadvantage in that it's a very, very complicated system to diagnose. Now, Correct. It's not like the old days. So we're going to talk a lot more about that. We're going to take a quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. If you ever plan to motor west. Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. Got our lines wide open. Be glad to try to help you out and give you some information. There you go. And should you happen to miss your prime opportunity to get a live answer this morning, you can always go to our website, get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, and the form is going to pop up. Fill that form out and hit the send button. There you go. Could be easier than that. And that comes directly to me, so you will get an answer. Now, the thing you don't want to do is call the shop and say, hey, I need to talk to Lewis because, number one, Lewis ain't there. <laughs> He's retired. <laughs> That's fact. And, number two, even if I am there, I'm not answering the phone. We've got 
people there that do that are trained to answer any question you might have exactly. about doing business with us. But if you need to get in touch or want to get in touch with me, I had a fellow one time that gave me a bad review because he called a shop and couldn't get in touch with me. I said, uh-huh. well, you know, you can call a radio show. That's what We do that called. every single week. That's right. You can send me an email. I mean, that's all we can really do. Right. <laughs> you can't get mad because I'm not there <laughs> when you call during the week and, uh, you know, come run to the phone. But yeah, good way to get your questions answered. It doesn't even have to be a question. If you have a request for information. Sure. How should I proceed? What's the better way to do this? That kind of stuff. That's why you need to send all that in through the website. And we're talking just a little bit about starters and with the more modern cars, like I said, the used to be the old days you had a key and it went into a switch. And that switch would send power directly to a solenoid, which would engage your starter. And that was pretty simple. Wasn't a mm-hmm. whole lot to go wrong there. In fact, I can remember back in the days when it would even start in gear if, if you weren't oh, yeah. careful. Start without the clutch being pushed in, sure. which is actually a pretty dangerous situation. But you learned real quick not to do that. You don't do that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we spent the weekend on the USS Alabama one time with the Boy Scouts, and. You walk in the main area, it goes in through the radio room, and you got these wires on the wall with parcel and insulators. Uh-huh. And a little sign says high voltage. You know, first day on the ship, don't touch that. It'll right. kill you. No problem. Nobody ever touched it. Wonder, huh? Yeah, nowadays, <laughs> men have to have guards and, oh, and, all and, kinds and of stuff. shielding and, and a ground fall circuit. Some of you still walk around and touch that wire. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but yeah, you, you got all these things now, and that's good things, a lot of them, but Unfortunately, it makes diagnosis of the problem it's a little more complicated, far more difficult. You know, when you push the button to turn the key and it does not crank, and there's a difference between cranking and starting. There We've is, talked and it about gets, before, but it gets confused a lot. Cranking is when the engine turns over. You, you hear that characteristic roll, 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 roll mm-hmm. kind of sound. And that term crank comes from the old days when you had a T-model Ford, and it was literally a crank. A hand crank. Because for a motor to run, it has to start turning. Correct. And that's when the fuel gets into it, and that's when the sparks fire, and and it it starts to run after that. But something has to crank it. Mm -hmm. If you remember seeing these old, old movies with airplanes, it would go out and grab a propeller and And spin it. it. Well, they were cranking the motor. But there's a difference between cranking and starting. Cranking is that situation where it's turning over before it starts. Before it's running. Starting is when it starts to run. Correct. And it's very, very important to remember that if you ever bring your car into the shop. Because if you say, my car won't start, they're looking for a starting problem, not a cranking problem. Exactly. If you turn the key and it does nothing, then your car won't crank. And that's a major, major difference to a technical mind. Sure. It's the average person. Two, two separate it systems. may sound very much similar, but to a technical mind, that is two totally separate issues and two totally separate ways of going about diagnosis. Exactly. Let's go to our phone lines. Mark, good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Good, good morning. Great, sir. Great, great. Um, so I didn't normally bother rotating my tires. Okay. Um, but I did it fairly recently when the fronts were worn to about four mil i think four millimeters okay and the rears were down to about seven so i swapped the rears to the front thinking well maybe that well, would add sort of eventually yeah mark evenly. actually actually you would be better off to leave the more tread on the back than on the front i know right. at one time they used to say well you want the better tires on the front but that's not so any longer even with a front wheel drive vehicle you always want the more tread on the rear because if the front of the car starts to break loose you can control it somewhat with the steering wheel if the back end breaks loose you have zero control of that car so you would right. technically be better to leave the more tire on the back, or if you want to replace them, put the new tire on the back and then bring the back to the front. Right, 
okay. So what, well, I actually did rotate them, so I had the, the less tread on the back. And the reason I was calling you was because I get a very, very slight vibration now, about 70 miles an hour in the steering wheel. Yeah, most. So I guess I should swap them back. Yeah, well, most likely one of the tires that was on the rear has probably lost one of the weights where it was balanced, and on the uh, back you just true. didn't feel it. It was still vibrating on the back, so it'd be better to have those tires balanced again. But then I would put the thicker tire to the back and leave the thinner tire on the front. And when you replace, like I said, put the the tires from the back to the front and put the new tires on the back. I know that kind of flies in the face of everything we've been told over the years, but that is a fact. In fact, if you go on my website, there's an article on which tires go on the front, and it shows some videos that Michelin did with cars on a test track with the better tires on the back and the better tires on the front, and you could see clearly which ones can handle better. Okay, but if, so if I always put the good tires on the back, because it's front-wheel drive, the Correct. fronts are going to wear faster, so that means I'm always going to have I'm – not, I'm never going to have like the tires all wearing down at the same time. Well, the only way yeah. you do that is by rotating. and you know, you need By to, rotating regularly and keeping yeah, them all regularly. the same track. And yes, depending yeah. on the tire, they may, some tires rotate at 5,000 miles, some rotate at 7, some at 10. You can actually rotate too much. I remember I had a customer who – was rotating every 3,000 miles, and his tires were all wearing, but he, he was not leaving them on the back long enough to, to flatten back out. So there is a yeah. proper amount. I know with Michelin, I generally rotate between seven and 9,000 miles, and I get really good life doing that. So. And depending on what kind of wear you're getting on the front tires, whether you should cross those to the rear or rotate them straight front to back. Correct. Under certain conditions, if they're chopping in spots, you might want to cross the tires. And something else, something else I, years yeah. ago, you say you can't cross a radial tire, but all that's really it was it was just it's all gosh yeah yeah kind of old wives tale at the time and it's been disproven many many times yeah you do actually cross tires under certain conditions all righty well thanks a lot guys i'll put it back how it was and uh, i'll get them balanced yeah uh, i would go ahead and balance it yeah. you don't want it vibrating on the rear it could tear up the rear wheel bearings yeah yeah okay cool all right, all right Mark. Well, thanks a lot guys thanks colin right, man thanks man bye-bye all right all right that's Mark Wilder from London, England. Uh-huh. You know, Mark can call from London. You can darn sure call from Baton Rouge. That's it, exactly. Or at least Port Allen. At least. <laughs> <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things with tires. There's a lot of misinformation out there, there going back to who knows a period when it used to always be you wanted your best tires on the front. Right. I remember if you would buy two tires, you'd always put always. the new ones on the front and – that's been proven to be wrong, but the information is slow to assimilate in the exactly. society for whatever reasons. And it seems to make sense. Well, it's a front-wheel drive car. I want the better tires in the front. No, it's safer to put the better tires to the rear. Sure. And if you haven't rotated and two tires are worn more than the other two, leave the better tires on the rear. Don't rotate them to the front. Exactly. That's going to make the car far less safe. It's going to handle far less. And when you put new tires, again, then you can bring your rears to the front if they're still usable, and then you put your new ones on the rear. And that is providing you don't have an all-wheel drive vehicle. Correct. There's a whole different thing of ways to take care of that if you've got an all-wheel drive yeah, vehicle. With an all-wheel drive, what they say is all four tires need to be swapped out at the same time. They all need to be the same height. Yeah. As a tire wears, it gets shorter. Exactly. Which means it has to turn faster to keep up with the taller tires. And it may seem like a slight amount, but it can be fairly significant. If you got two tires with half the rubber worn off, you may be turning one, two, three miles an hour faster than new tires. So what you're doing is you are spinning a part called a viscous clutch that allows the four wheels to be coupled together. You're spinning that around all the time. It's not designed to be spinning all the time. It's exactly. designed to spin when it's slipping. And you can burn up 
that transfer case or sure. viscous clutch. I know we had a fella came in with a it was a Lexus of some sort, all wheel drive, had a heck of a noise in it. In fact, I don't remember the exact situation, but it would move in a certain gear, but wouldn't move in another Vaguely, gear or, yeah. or something like that. And he had put one brand new tire on the car. And the other three were two-thirds yeah. worn. He had a lot of miles on it anyway, but it did burn up that transfer Yeah, it took case. it out. And uh, fortunately, we were able to find a used one that was still in good condition mm-hmm. because those things can be 25 to 3 grand. Oh, easily. Pretty easily, plus labor to put it in. I think we were able to find a used one for I don't know. It was nine hundred dollars. So, so in that put case, it in there and straighten it out. Of course, more and more with, with new cars, uh, there are cases where you can't put used parts on them if it's a part of program. There are some cases. Yeah, the parts have been programmed in, and they, they one time shot. It's married to that car, and you can't swap it to another car. So even that little attempt to right. save money is going away. Oh yeah, <laughs> quickly. But we were talking just a bit about starters and and all that, trying to diagnose them. And what you have to remember is that when you push that button and you turn that key, there's a series of things going on. And the starter is one part of that. Right, the final part. The final part. If the car does not crank when you push the button or turn the key, the first thing, the most important thing you need to do is you have to go to the starter and see if you have a voltage signal getting to that starter. Correct. Because if you have 12 volts and ground and signal at the starter, and it doesn't crank. Then the starter is bad. Correct. We know that. We know that because you have everything there to make it work. That's right. If we do not have 12 volts and signal to the starter, then you have the to start. problem is upstream. Right. you got to start backing up. Well, what happens so often? People go in and say, well, the easiest thing is to change the starter. Well, they go in first thing. They call, let's say, Honda, and they find out, well, this starter is 500, yeah, yeah. 500 bucks. So they go on the Internet, and they find one for 89 bucks. Oh, for eighty nine dollars worth doing, right? Okay. But what they're getting is a offshore piece, yeah. piece of junk knockoff. It looks the part, it, but it, it does may not. look similar. It may bolt on. Most time, if it's gonna if it works at all, it's gonna work for for a little while, yeah. And then it's gonna burn up something else or and, quit working altogether. And the bad part about that is when you buy one of those, you have to turn in your old one as a core. That's right. Or you've got to pay the core charge to keep the old one. And when it's gone, it's gone. Right. And most the, now, when this one goes out, and you decide, well, I'm going to get the OEM starter, and you bring that starter in, and they look at it and say, they say no, uh, that's no, not, that's not an OEM <laughs> starter. We can't do anything with that junk, right? So now you got to pay a core charge again, right? So even worse, you go in there, you get this piece of junk, you put it on, it doesn't start still. So now you tow it over to the shop, and first thing we got to do is we find we don't have a signal to the starter. So we go in, we find the original problem, and fix that. But now it still doesn't start because, because the, starter the starter you put is on there is not any good. good. So now we've got to buy an OEM starter and pay a core charge, plus fix the original problem. <laughs> exactly. It can snowball quickly. Got to take our second quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more in the Automotive Hour. Linda, I've been so tense lately. Can you recommend a masseuse? Oh, have I got a massage guy. Johan Thundercloud. He's Swedish Native American who uses classic deep tissue massage with natural healing methods. That sounds interesting. His deep tissue green pine cone massage is amazing. Along with the piercing eagle claw technique. Working your muscles with a rhythmic screech. Ah! 
When you hear that, you know it's working. I bet. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, check out the team at Agco Automotive. We keep it simple with high-quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And don't forget about Agco's general inspection, an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so your car will perform for the long term. One thing, though. Do you bleed easily? What? Johan will want to know. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersay, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate you spending Saturday morning with us. If you got a question or a comment on the show, you give us a call. It's 291-6901. And we were talking about starters before the break, but mm-hmm. like I said before, we'll take answer any automotive question well, any related topic automotive you may have, you give us a call. And, you know, we're talking about the things that can disable a starter, and there's just a number of them, and it kind of varies a little bit from car to car. But if you have a manual transmission, at very least, there's going to be a clutch pedal disable. Correct. That makes sure you have the clutch pedal pushed to the floor before, before it's going to crank. Some of them, you have to have your foot on the brake, brake pedal. pedal. So you have to have your foot on the brake and your foot on the clutch two feet before this thing's going to crank, at very, very least. Right. And that's not just in the automotive industry. That is in the... Side by side, yeah. you know, almost anything, anything that, anything that, that drive that has an engine on it that's going to have to be cranked. It's got some kind of safety feature. Even your lawnmower has a safety feature on right. it. Right. Well, and it's good that it is. I know my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, was actually killed like that. He was working for a tree mm-hmm. company that cut trees down, hauled them off, and that sort of stuff. A guy comes in with a load of logs that's kind of shifted, so he goes to get the tractor to move it, reaches up, hits the switch and somebody had bypassed the neutral safety he assumed it was in neutral i guess but when he hit the switch it cranked and it ran over him Mm -hmm. crushed him so i mean a life loss tragically whereas this little safety device could have prevented that very much so and there's been just a number of cases like that over the years so that's one of those things you never want to bypass one of these switches they're on there for a reason sure and like i said number one would be that comes to mind is the clutch safety switch that's one now, if you have a standard, uh, excuse me, an automatic, automatic transmission, there's going to be a neutral safety switch. That switch actually is called a manual lever position sensor, and it is going to assure that the vehicle is either in neutral or in park. So it doesn't crank gear. So it in won't gear. crank. If you go to crank it and it's in drive or in reverse or in Any of the other gears, gears except neutral or park. It will disable the starter, so it won't. You, it it's going to be just like a bad starter. You turn yeah. the key, it's not going to go. Now, that's a good thing. However, they do go bad from time to time. Yep, and so, it gives you the same symptom. Same symptom. No matter what goes wrong, the symptoms going to be the same. The truck's not going to, or the car's not going to crank. crank. So you have the same symptoms. It's like air conditioning. No matter what goes wrong, it doesn't it's, get cold. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it could be any one of a thousand things, but same thing with that. It, whatever goes wrong, it's not going to crank. Mm-hmm. So you reach in there, you turn the key, it doesn't crank, and Next thing they do, they go put a starter on it. Well, they went and bought a junk aftermarket starter, sure. rebuilt starter. They're taking off a better starter than they put on, and it still doesn't crank. And in worst case, that starter may be buried somewhere. Right. What comes to mind is the Toyota 5.7. Right. The starter is actually under the intake. Yeah, so the, the, the intake of the engine has Cadillac to come off. Cadillac Star was like that. North Star was like yeah, that. Was uh, several of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them like that. Uh, and the even, Honda. Honda is under the exhaust manifold. It's buried under the front. Yeah, you, you can, can get to it maybe. You can get it out. Real handy. You can take it out. Yeah. But the thing is, on the situation with the neutral safety switch or the manual leaving position sensor switch, what you want to do is if you turn your key and it doesn't start. In park. In park. 
you may let off and turn again. It starts. Well, now you got an intermittent problem. So that's going to be rather difficult to diagnose anyway. But let's say you turn the key, it's in park, and it does nothing. If you have the presence of mind, continue holding the switch over into the crank position. Mm-hmm. Reach over, put your foot on the brake, take the shifter, and shift it to neutral while you're still holding that switch. If it immediately starts to crank, then you know neutral safety switch or manual lever position switch is bad. Right. It's just a set of contacts, and the contacts move across as well, you move the lever, so they wear in out. park more times than they're in any other gear because it always sure. ends up in park, and it's usually cranking in park. So the park side is probably going to wear out first, but it'll also start in neutral. Now, the reason you want to hold the key over, because if you release the key and turn it again and put it in neutral and it starts, did you really find out anything? No, because maybe it just started that time. Exactly. If it's an intermittent problem, you don't know, so you hadn't found out anything. But if you can continue to hold the key over, it won't crank in part. You shift to neutral. It starts to crank. Now you've got information. That, now That you can give to the tech or whoever's going to. Or you can change this neutral right. safety switch or whatever you're going to do from there. But. That's always one of those things where you have to recreate the exact situation. Now, if it's dead, your dead man is pretty easy to diagnose. Sure. If it's always dead, never cranks, then you can go shift it into neutral. And if it's cranks, then you know you got a situation. But where it's an intermittent problem, where sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't do it. You move something and it starts. Did you did fix you did, it? Right. Or was it just a coincidence it was going to start this time anyway? Yep. So you hadn't learned anything. You know, another situation, one test of a starter and this is just one test of a starter but if you can hold it in the crank position it does not crank take something like a hammer and just lightly tap the starter and it starts immediately to crank because say the brushes aren't seated well on the armature when you tap it that little shot will make it crank one more time Mm -hmm. well that is a good test that yes the starter is bad but again you have to hold the starter into the start position not start and then while continuing to hold it over, tap the starter Requires and two see people. if it does. It's going to require two people to do it. Sure. But if you let off the switch and, in, and hit it again, you still don't know if you've, you hadn't exactly. learned anything. So you have to take all this stuff into mind. That's what makes it difficult many times to, to diagnose, diagnose this stuff, sure. particularly with an intermittent problem. Yeah, that's one of the worst. If you can't recreate it, even if you find something, do well, if you since we can't recreate it, do we even know we fixed it? You can't it? consistently recreate it. For instance, let's go. We turn the key. It won't start. It's in part. We don't think about it. We let the key go. We move in neutral. It starts. Well, we now we didn't learn anything. We really don't know anything. We put it back in park, and it starts. Okay, so what do you know now? Nothing. Only no, that. Nothing that you knew. It didn't wasn't know before. Start before and still, yeah, you, you already knew that. Right. So that's why you have to watch that test method. Now, another problem with trying to determine if you have voltage at these things number one is going to take two people sure but number two a lot of those terminals are very difficult to get to they are some of them are extremely buried deep within you know within the motor with things around them and well you and can access them but you can't access them at easily. the time well and you know when this is occurring let's say you get up go to, you put on a, a jacket and tie and your white shirt and then you hit your key it doesn't do it well you can't go jump onto the car and start probing around for things exactly but what you can do and this is pretty effective. We do it in the shop a lot of times. If you make a set of jumper leads, some kind of a clamp where it'll clamp onto those terminals, mm-hmm. carefully route them around and into the car. You can generally come through the door or something because it's got a rubber gasket. That right. It's a small wire. Yeah, it'll conform around it. But bring the wires into the car where you can have your voltmeter hooked up there. If you're really clever, you might even put an LED light on it where sure. you can see it's got power when you're cranking. Now, when you fashion that, and again, you have to be very careful, put some twist ties where this wire doesn't get tangled up in anything when you're driving and cause another issue. 
But you've made an easier way to determine, particularly this is with an intermittent problem. If you can hook this up, and like I say, if you're, you're pretty clever, you may rig an LED light. Well, the first time you turn your key on, the LED comes on, you hit the switch, it starts. Next time, next time, next time. Well, you turn your key, it does not start, the LED is not on. Well, now you've just learned you do not have power at the starter right. when it's not cranking. Now you've learned something. Now you've learned something. Now you've got information. Now you can assume the starter is probably not the problem, unless you've got two problems, which is it's possible. possible. But we, we let's it. say the starter is not the problem. Now we can start looking for all the things that can interrupt the starter. Exactly. And like I said, we mentioned a couple of them with the clutch interrupt switch, right. the neutral safety switch. There's also the security system. The security switch. That's another. Some vehicles are designed in such a way that if you turn the key and it does not know that you are that you have the right key, let's say the chip in your key Has goes bad. bad. Or let's say the sensor around the switch goes bad. The way GM works, it's got a sensor around that cylinder, and when you turn the key, it produces a sine wave because it's a little magnet going past a Hall effect sensor. It sends this wave to the PCM or the BCM or both. It acknowledges, hey, this is the right key in there. It's turning, so then it'll allow it to go ahead and turn. But let's say you've got either a bad key or a bad sensor inside the steering column. When you turn it, it doesn't see it this time. So it's going to say, hey, this car is being stolen. First thing to do is disable the starter. Exactly. Now, it disables the engine as well. It disables a number of things depending on the vehicle you got and what kind of system it's got. But that kind of stuff can be extremely difficult to find. And and what's even worse than that is if you have two sets of keys. Yes. You know, if you're using a set of keys and when you drop your car off to the shop, you give them your spare set. Right. Well, the problem could very well be in your key. And the tech at the shop has another set of keys. Yeah, we see that a lot where people come in and they've got their, their normal driver keys. They've got the house keys. they got all that right. stuff on it. So what they do, they got an extra set of keys at the house. They give you the extra set of keys. Well, you get in cranks every time. Sure. You try it a thousand can't, times. Can't duplicate Because it. the problem was in the key. Right. So, <laughs> hey, we got to take our last quick little break. Be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. TJ, I've been looking to tone up, man. You have a personal trainer, right? Yes, I've got the guy, Mr. Miyago. <laughs> He's going to teach me how to wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyago's no joke. Oh, sorry. He begins by filling your shorts with wet sand to provide weight resistance and enhance focus. Then launches into a series of drills like crouching tiger, hidden badger, fire monkey, flogging duck, and highly agitated dragon. Sounds kind of extreme. Yeah, bruh. Extreme results. Everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for the right automotive guy, it's Agco Automotive. We make it easy. Quality repairs and a staff you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, you get an annual checkup to diagnose problems that could cost you down the road. You will need to sign a waiver stating you are not allergic to pig intestines and live geese. I think I'm just going to hit the gym, TJ, but thanks. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our general manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. We've got any kind of question or comment, you give us a call. It's 291-6901. Talking a little bit about starters. We were. Talk any topic you may have. And one thing to be kind of careful with as well, we're talking about the security system and all, and we'll get back to that in just a second. But when you've got your car and it won't crank, and we talked about holding the key over and Mm -hmm. moving it, neutral 
Watch also when you start to just move it, if it immediately starts to crank, even though it's still, still in park, but immediately starts to crank when you move the shifter, if the bushings in the linkage wear out, that happens. It can also cause the same exact problem. That gets misdiagnosed a lot because what it is, you've got it in park, but it's not truly in park. It's just a little bit from park because the lever or the cable hasn't pushed it all the way in. Mm-hmm. So another thing you might want to do is while holding the key all the way in the start position, kind of jiggle the shifter just a little bit sure. in park and see if it starts. And if it does, check those bushings and all because that can easily get misdiagnosed. You'll think it's a manual lever position sensor when it's actually the lever is not pushing it all the way and in. And some of those bushings are not available. You have to replace the entire cable. Right. You have to buy so, a new cable or a new rod or whatever. Putting a, putting a new cable in is not a not an easy task on most vehicles. Not always easy. Yeah, and a lot of times it runs under the floor. It runs sure, under the dash. Carpet, it runs all kinds of places. Console. So, yeah, it can, yeah. Be, it can be difficult. Let's go to our phone lines with Matt. Good morning, Matt. Hey guys, how you doing? Doing, doing great. great. I got a uh, 2018 2500 GMC. Okay. And it's got the Z71 package on it. Uh-huh. It's my first diesel, and it's got about 42,000 miles on it. I bought it secondhand. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering what you all recommend on additional maintenance or anything with those vehicles that I should look out for. The biggest. You tow a boat. Yeah, the biggest things, Matt, on a diesel is you need to make sure you're changing that fuel filter real regular on it. That's one of the biggest things. Also, the air filter, because a diesel is a little different from a gasoline engine. If that air filter gets restricted, it can actually suck it down into the housing. Uh, it's, it's got enough vacuum there, where it'll, it'll, not vacuum, but force, where it can suck a dirty filter in. And what happens then is that dirt starts bypassing the filter, which can take an engine out. So you want to make sure you're keeping your filters good and clean on it. Now, like with any vehicle, particularly if you're towing, you need to be servicing that transmission. I would not go any more than 50,000 miles between services. I know GM sells 100, but again, they're in the business of selling new vehicles. And it will last 100, but they'll be putting new transmission in it shortly thereafter. And you know, while you're, while you're doing a transmission, I would recommend doing both the differentials also. And the transfer case. And the transfer case. Do them all at one time, and that way the drive line is serviced at once. So if you go back and you try to remember, hey, when did I do this when I did, you know, you, you did it all at one time. Mm-hmm. It's okay. easier to keep track okay. of. So those are the things that are peculiar to that vehicle. Now, obviously, stuff like coolant you know, needs to be changed every three years. Lots of other things. To, to really know all that, it'd be best to bring it to someone have a general inspection done, particularly because you bought the car used. You don't know what's been done and what hasn't been done. So only by inspecting it can they look at all the different things. You know, your brake pads could be getting thin, but then again, maybe not because it could have been changed already. Or it could have been highway miles. It could be highway miles they just didn't wear. So you can't make a recommendation based on miles or time. You have to physically go in and inspect. That's why I recommend the general inspection so much because you bring it in, we can go through all the things. We can tell you, okay, this, 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 this are due right now. This and this are coming up. And then this is going to probably be a long-term issue for you. But you'll know exactly where you stand. And that's really good okay. when you're buying a used vehicle because you don't know what's been done before you got it. You know you've taken care of it, but you don't know what the other guy did. Okay. And then on that truck, when you're talking about the fuel filters, I don't. I go by mileage on the oil. I don't go by the dash. Mm-hmm. But um, that does have a fuel filter percentage built into the dash. Is mm-hmm. that, can I go by that, or do I need to be going by miles? You know, I'd probably – most people I see about every other oil change, they change their fuel filter. Okay. And, you know, right. I mean, you can watch that and see if it, if yeah. it corresponds pretty much to that, then that's great. If it doesn't, then I would probably, I would rather change it a little more often. It's not that hard to change. It's not that expensive and it's protecting so much. I mean, if trash yeah. gets past that filter, you got all you kinds got of problems. high dollar stuff there. 
you know, the injectors and all that, you don't want trash in. Same thing with the air filter. You know, I would rather change an air filter with 25% life left on it than to suck dirt in my motor. Yeah, yeah, cheap. Like you always say, it's cheaper to do cheap, that than you'll ever yeah. spend on a repair. Oh yeah, cheap, cheap, cheap. You'll never spend enough on air filters or fuel filters to ever pay for one single repair. Okay. And then last question for mm-hmm. you: I noticed when I was up under there on the Allison transmission, it mm-hmm. has an external filter on mm-hmm. there. It does. It does. Uh, is that something I can just spin off and put a new one on? You can. There's also an internal mm-hmm. transmission filter. It has two filters. We change both when we service it. Okay. And uh, okay. that that was going to call for Dexron Six because it's a GM product. Allison also makes a fluid that is really better than the Dexron 6. If you want to spend the additional money, you got to go to an Allison dealer to get it, but you can put that in there as well. And I think they call it Transcend. I'm not real is sure. Their fuel, their fluid. Josh would know raw top of his head, but I'm not yeah, that familiar with it. Yeah, that's actually better even than Dex 6, but because it's a GM, a GM product, if you put Dex 6, that will meet your warranty requirements. Okay. And well, I can just pick that up probably at a diesel shop. Uh, maybe we go down to the, there's an deal right down the corner by us and we go buy it from them, the transcend. Okay. You could probably even order it online as long as it's an original Allison product. And again, the Dexron six is widely available. You know, if you want to go back with that, that's what came in it originally. And, and that will do the job, particularly if you're changing pretty regular, but if you're pulling a pretty big boat, it doesn't hurt to go to the Allison fluid. Okay. Yeah, I think I'll definitely do that. Excellent. Well, that's, uh, that's what I needed. Thank you guys. All right, man. Thanks, man. All right, 291-6901 is the number. You want to be hard all the month of hour. You probably still got a few seconds. A few minutes. If you, yeah. if you can do it Make real, it quick. real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we were talking about starters and the reason they don't start and all that kind of stuff. And the jump wires are one of those things that I know it's going to take a little effort to do sure. that, but it's better than guessing and guessing wrong. Exactly. Because if you buy an OEM starter, the cheap ones are probably two fifty to three hundred dollars, yeah. And the more expensive ones can be nine hundred to a thousand dollars on some cars, depending on the application. So it's not one of those things you want to go online and find some find the cheapest one Chinese you can knock yeah. off and put on there because now you really got a problem. Exactly. You thought you had a problem before, now you've created a much bigger worse problem. problem. You know, you're putting something back; it's not nearly as good as what you're taking off. Well, and especially if it's real difficult to get to. Well, that and if you misdiagnose the problem, and that wasn't the problem in the first place. Exactly. So, yeah, if you just hell-bent on doing that, at least keep your old starter. <laughs> at least, yeah. Yeah, don't trade it in. Put it back go, in the go box. Go ahead and pay the, store, the core charge sure. or whatever. And I think on some of this real trashy junk, you don't even get a core charge because it's a it's so, yeah. quote-unquote new knockoff. They take an old worn-out starter, reverse engineer it, and make one just like it. Right. With half the grade of quality of parts that they use in it. So, yeah, at the very least, just keep your there's, original starter. And there's a lot of that junk coming on the market now. Well, there really, really is. Yeah, it's one of those things that's almost unregulated. And not only is there name brand junk on the market, there's a whole line of counterfeit parts, which we need to talk about on another show. Exactly. Which slips in between the lines. Sure. And this stuff is just... It's, gar- it's junk. Oh, man. I tell you what, it, it can actually damage your vehicle. Yep. Just trash stuff. I mean, I don't think I would ever buy a part on the Internet unless maybe it was a used part from a reputable source. Sure. But... If you see a part that costs four hundred dollars locally, and you're seeing it on the internet for eighty nine bucks, guess Some, what? Yeah, <laughs> something's off. Something's you know, wrong. That is one advantage of getting older: is you get wiser. You sure, get, you get burned by that. I'm sure I did the same thing. You've oh, yeah. done the same thing many, many times. But at some point in your life, it clicks in your mind that sometimes the cheapest way out is the more expensive way in. Exactly. You know, if there's that much difference in the price, there is probably a reason. <laughs> probably that much difference in the part. Yeah. 
car parts just don't have that kind no, of markup. They don't. Normally, from the manufacturer to the dealership, there's about fifty percent markup. From the dealership to the seller, there might be a twenty-five percent, fifteen to twenty-five, Maybe. depending on what kind of part it is. So anything more than that, then you, right. you're not in you're the realm up the wrong of, of markup. You're in the realm of getting something totally different. That's probably not nearly as good as what you had before. Exactly. So be real careful with that. Also, take a few minutes to go ahead and diagnose the problem. Don't just throw a part at it because you're probably going to be wrong, and you might be might worse cause off, all the problems worse off than you were before. I see we're just about out of time. Going to. Start getting ready to wind it up and get on out of here. I'd like to thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, find a written review, and please fill it out for us. There you go. Those written reviews help us move us up in the rankings. If you just can't find a review, you can Google our name. It's Agco Automotive, and just put us a review on Google. That works. We'll appreciate that just as much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.